Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hey, everybody, faithful listeners. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast right here on the Legal Talk Network. If you're looking for El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie on streaming, don't tell me about it. I haven't seen it yet. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're a 1975 Boston Red Sox Fred Lynn throwback jersey, you're in my closet right now. As always, I'm your show host, Jared Correa. And in addition to casting this pod, I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services for law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc., which offers chatbots, a first-to-market chatbot builder, and predictive analytics created specifically for law firms. Find out more at www.gideon.legal. You can listen to my other other podcast. That's right. I have a second podcast. It's called The Lobby List, and it's a family travel show I host with my dear wife, Jessica. That's on iTunes, so subscribe, rate, and comment. But right here on The Legal Toolkit Show, we provide you a new tool each episode to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to tread where we've never trod before. Trod? Trodden? I'm not sure, but we're going there. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency and how it relates to small law firms. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. AbbeyConnect has delivered premium live receptionist and answering services to lawyers since 2006. You can try them out for free at abbeyconnect.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Nexa, formerly known as AnswerOne, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at www.nexa.com. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers, providing solutions since 1999. TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small. www.timesolve.com My guest today is Felix Shipkevich, principal of Shipkevich, PLLC, and the founder and CEO of Hotspot Law, a new platform providing consumers free consultations with local attorneys. In his New York-based law practice, Felix is focused on fintech, so he's a natural to talk about cryptocurrency with us. So, Felix, welcome to the big show, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, Jared. I'm excited. As you should be. Um, <laughs> so, you're a Hofstra guy, I noticed. I am. You graduated I from there. You're teaching from there. So, I don't know if you can talk about this without getting in trouble, but like one of the things I was most disappointed about was when Hofstra became the pride because they used to be called the Flying Dutchman, <laughs> which is like that's right, that's like the dopest sports team nickname ever. Like, there's so many logo possibilities running through my mind. Are, were you upset about this as well? Can you talk about that without getting in trouble? I really actually couldn't care less about it oh, <laughs> if man. I could be candid. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna carry this um, flag on my own then, I guess. 
Yeah, I I think the Flying Dutchman worked really well. I actually don't know when they switched from uh, the Flying Dutchman to the Hofstra Pride. But hey, you know, I went to law school there. I teach. I think it's a good institution, great faculty, and uh, love the student body. So Great student body. Props to Hofstra, but I'm just going <laughs> to add Flying Dutchman forever. All right. <laughs> Shall we talk about cryptocurrency? I think we should. Let's do it. This is a topic, as I said, like we've never covered in the history of the show, which is like 12 years. We've been podcasting for maybe too long, but it's always nice to cover new ground. So let's start slow. Can you give everybody a brief description of what cryptocurrency actually is? Sure. Well, let's actually start with the word itself, cryptocurrency. It sounds a little intimidating, right? The word crypto, I mean, obviously rises from cryptography as part of the um, security process for uh, cryptocurrencies. But, but I never liked the word, to be honest with you. I've been in the space for nine years, and I never understood why we don't call it digital cash. I like that. Yeah, it's just such a softer, better, and more credible word. Uh, I just never, I, I never understood why the, 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 you know, crypto got <laughs> before currency. Uh, but look, in a nutshell, cryptocurrencies are, yeah, look, uh, digital cash. Uh, they, they obviously could take different forms. They could be in form of an asset. They could be in terms of a reward, a bonus points. But, you know, I'm a traditionalist in that space. I, um, you know, what do you call it? Crypto geek. <laughs> Is that the right word to say it? I look at uh, cryptocurrencies just going back to Bitcoin, which is a medium of exchange. It's a way to make payments easy, fast, and cheap. Yeah, so I think this is a lot like when people refer to the cloud, which is like a horrible way to talk about terminal servers. It sounds like it's the same issue. If everybody just called it digital cash, we probably have a better understanding of what this is. Do you remember when the term cloud became mainstream? How many people did you run into that would... Like they couldn't understand why, what do you mean hosted in the cloud? And they literally would look up at the cloud. I spoke at one conference about a decade ago where like I had a few individuals look up in the sky. Full disclosure, something was... I still run into those people. <laughs> so now that we have a better idea of what cryptocurrency is, let's call it digital cash. Um, okay. Why should lawyers, like specifically small firm lawyers care about cryptocurrency? Because I don't necessarily think a lot of them do. Sure. And, you know, I think that there's a pretty big part of our legal community that still doesn't take it seriously. And they think it's sort of a fad. Kind of think back to mid to late 90s when e-commerce came about. And, and uh, you know, people were a little skeptical about shopping online and they said, nah, I'm going to still buy my clothes um, online or, you know, hey, if I need to buy office furniture for my law practice, uh, why would I do anything other than go to a brick and mortar store and pick it up? So why do they need to care? I mean, there, there really are two reasons. One is uh, there's obviously been an you know, incredible amount of demand for legal services in this space, uh, whether on the payments, legal side, on, on the security side, you know, um, anti-money laundering side. So there's certainly a demand. And if you if you are in the financial services space uh, and, and you're ignoring the involvement of digital cash or cryptocurrency law, um, I think you're making a huge mistake. You, should, you don't need to become an expert, but you certainly should at least be familiar with the products and services. The second reason is, look, we are becoming more and more cashless society, right? And I think that, uh, you know, if I had to, if I had a crystal ball in front of me, I have to guess, then about 10 to 20 years, cash might become obsolete. 
I probably have a few podcast listeners that are scratching their head or shaking their heads, like, ah, no, no, that's not going to happen. But hey, when credit cards came about 40 to 50 years ago, people didn't think credit cards would be widely used. When mobile payments came about, people didn't think that would take off. So we're moving in that direction. And my prediction, the next decade or two, cash is just going to be you know, almost obsolete. That makes sense. Like, I feel like the only people who care about cash are little kids. Like, if I give my kids like a quarter, they're like, oh my God, it's a quarter. But like, how excited are they? Yeah, but I I almost never have cash like anymore, and I mean it's like I, I carry around like debit cards and stuff like that, but it's not like it's not like actually a physical currency. And I think like my grandkids are probably going to be like, "Yo, Dad, like, where's my Bitcoin or whatever it's going to be <laughs> at that point." How much do they change carrying that change in the pocket? That's the worst. I just like right? I, I was in the airport the other day and I left like probably like a dollar eighty worth of change on a seat because I just didn't feel like bringing it on an airplane. <laughs> so I made some kids day. <laughs> so let's turn this around a little bit and talk about why consumers care about cryptocurrency. Because part of this is like, if this starts to gain more widespread acceptance, and it's probably gaining acceptance more quickly than lawyers anticipate, like this is going to be a method by which people are going to want to pay lawyers. And lawyers are going to need to become more accepting of it. So why do consumers value cryptocurrency? And why is that value going to increase over time? I think that consumers are just beginning, some consumers, I think if we're looking at, if we look at a specific uh, age group, the millennials, I think they have accepted uh, cryptocurrency and certainly Bitcoin as um, that medium of exchange. They're excited about it. You know, every year uh, when I teach my class at Hofstra Law uh, on the subject, I ask students how many of them own Bitcoin. And I'm always surprised that about 25 to 30% of the class actually owns Bitcoin. I, I don't. And I, <laughs> which, <Yeah>. which uh, <laughs> I, I just, uh, not, not for any specific reason. I just, I'm not a speculator, but people, consumers love it because, you know, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, it's at the fingertips where you could, you know, have your digital wallet on your phone and um, it's encrypted. It's cool. I mean, um, I'm not saying that, you know, consumers should particularly care or like a product because it's innovative and cool. But the reality is it provides them with just easier way to make payments to each other. And look, something that you basically said just a minute ago, I would not be surprised that if over the next decade, as the space is evolving, as it's becoming more accepted and more stabilized, because there's there's also a little bit of like this cryptomania chaos, which is kind of absurd in a way that, you know, people overinflate the relevance of cryptocurrency. Sure, it's relevant, but it's not that relevant where people are running around and saying it's the greatest big thing, it's next to God. So consumers will probably end up paying their attorneys in crypto. Uh, I get asked that question probably uh, 25 to 30% of all the calls that I receive from from potential clients is, can we pay you in crypto? Hmm, that's really interesting. Um, I think that's a good thing ultimately. Like, And for a lot of lawyers, that probably creates a competitive advantage. Like, I have this theory that like if a lawyer is like 1% more innovative than his competitors, like it's just such a massive competitive advantage. So if you're a lawyer who starts accepting cryptocurrency earlier than your competitors, that's got to be a com- that's got to be a competitive advantage when it comes down to Absolutely. It. And when the market Absolutely. Hits, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know who doesn't care about cryptocurrency at all? The Flying Dutchman. But I digress. <laughs> there we go. Going back to the Flying Dutchman. Um, <laughs> on that on that note, we brought it full circle. So we're going to take our first break on the show, but we'll be back. For now, let's talk about some law firm products you cannot purchase with cryptocurrency as yet. 
To that end, here are some of the things that a reasonable lawyer might consider purchasing, along with a classic Snoopy snow cone maker that I know you had when you were a kid, too. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms, just like yours, to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm's software, and much, much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a very special offer. All right, Felix is back with his Snoopy snow cone maker. And thank you for sticking with us. We are a quality hang, are we not? Um, now that I've located my Schoolhouse Rocks t-shirt, let's get back to our conversation with Felix Shipkevich of Shipkevich PLLC and Hotspot Law. We're talking about how cryptocurrency affects law firms. So let's dive right back into it. We're going to continue this conversation about consumers and cryptocurrency. So I don't know if a lot of folks know this term, but there's this notion that there's a whole class of people in the world, especially globally, and I think the percentage is surprisingly high, who are unbanked. And what that means is that these are folks who don't have a bank account. So why is it important for lawyers, Felix, specifically with global practices to address cryptocurrency, to meet the needs of consumers who may not have a bank account by which to pay them, which is traditionally how lawyers have relied on getting paid? It's quite amazing that at this point, we're on the verge of 2020. And if you run um, an international consumer practice, obviously, this is more geared towards attorneys who, um, you know, like the immigration attorneys, right? And and they have clients from countries where it's just uh, difficult to move money out of that country. If those clients had you know, easy and, and reliable way to transfer money through the use of cryptocurrency, it would make the client's life easier, it'd make the attorney's lives easier. Look what's going on right now with Venezuela with, the, you know, ridiculous appreciate, you know, depreciation of uh, their currency. And uh, if you had the ability to actually store your assets, your money in the form of cryptocurrency that doesn't depreciate at the alarming rate that it does, it would make you know, things a lot easier, right? So uh, I think one of the, you know, if you look from just purely public perspective, right, and, and, and you know, helping people get out of that um, unbanked situation outside of the U.S., boy, that could make things quite a lot simpler. Um, but listen, we don't have to travel internationally. I mean, post.frank, we've had you know, over 10,000 banks and credit unions that have closed their doors because of the very high you know, compliance or regulatory cost. And you have a tremendous yeah. amount of people. And I think you and I are old enough to remember when uh, opening up a bank account required zero dollars. And at this point, it's very hard to find a bank that, you know, requires anything other than, you know, at least a couple hundred bucks to open a bank account. Speak for yourself, my friend. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> I'm just No, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm old enough to have had like the passbook, right? So, like, <laughs> okay. I had like the little paper that they would give me and I would track everything. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, that, I remember um, those days and trying to balance a checkbook. Yeah. Mm. 
if I, if I'm old enough to know about the Snoopy snow cone maker, I'm definitely old enough to know about like passbooks and savings <laughs> accounts and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so yeah, it's a totally different world, and I think like one of the problems that attorneys have specifically is adjusting to consumer needs. Like so many studies show that like the consumer perceptions about attorneys and what they want from attorneys don't accurately match what attorneys want to deliver mm -hmm. to clients. So there's always that push and pull. And this is just another space where it exists, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm married to a dentist. So I imagine when my wife and I go to public outings, a lawyer and a dentist, it's like two devils. <laughs> I mean, please tell me a single person that says, I love dentists. I love to sit in a dental chair and have my teeth pulled and coupled with a lawyer. Interestingly, my four-year-old daughter was like waxing poetic about how much she loved going to the dentist. Really? The day, which I thought was really weird. Uh, so there's at least one person. Okay. Um, uh, we'll have to have your daughter write a review for my, my wife's practice because nobody likes dentists. <laughs> Not even she'll, she'll do it. I'll set her up with a Google account. <laughs> well, we'll get a few emojis um, going. <laughs> right. All right. So this so this has been a good discussion about cryptocurrency generally, but like, let's turn to one of the hot topics in crypto right now, which is this Facebook-backed cryptocurrency called Libra. Um, what is that, and why does it matter? Oh, what do we start? I think we're going to need a day for a podcast to talk about Libra. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, Libra has been one of the most interesting yet controversial, I think, products uh, that can, has come out in 2019. I, I think that there's been so much excitement on one side of the pond where everybody's just super excited about, you know, this ability to potentially use this coin to transfer funds between individuals of different countries and ultimately helping them bank. Right. Then there's the other side of the coin. There's the other side of the pond, not the coin, um, that uh, people are saying, wait a second, <laughs> hold your horses. Facebook hasn't really been in a great light since the last election. Are we comfortable for Facebook to, to put together a cryptocurrency and potentially become essentially this de facto digital bank um, for consumers uh, without probably even being regulated as a bank and and it's it it reminds me i don't know if you remember jared remember that movie idiocracy from about 12 13 years ago uh, <laughs> i just referenced that on my last podcast it's a great yeah, movie. I'm sorry, it's one of my favorite movies i don't think that movie got enough credit remember that gatorade story i don't think they call it gatorade but they actually you know that they eventually ended up buying the fda and so <laughs> yes watch idiocracy everybody please do yourself uh, a service there you go you want to know more about cryptocurrency? Watch Idiocracy. You'll be a pro. <laughs> but that, you know, when you think of something like that, and, you know, obviously, look, I'm a huge supporter for, you know, fintech innovation and, and, and creating easier access for individuals to transfer money and to pay their bills and to make it seamlessly. I'm all for that. But when I'm thinking of a social media platform being the front runner for that, you know, that project, I, you know, I, I have a few <laughs> reservations. And, with, uh, you know, Visa, MasterCard, eBay, Pay PayPal, and, the, you know, a couple of others that have pulled out of this uh, consortium, I think that, you know, there, there are some issues, you know? Um, I think Mike Judge could totally have written a movie about a Facebook-backed cryptocurrency. <laughs> he was just born at the wrong time. I have my doubts as well. So let, let's, let's dive into Libra a little further. Sure. Like, I think most, so I'm going to ask you a two-part question. So one is, I think most people know this, they may not understand it. Um, a lot of cryptocurrency is blockchain. So you could, could you briefly describe 
what blockchain is and how it relates to cryptocurrency. And then uh, I'll have a follow-up question on that. Sure. So I think the biggest misconception is when people think about blockchain, they immediately think about cryptocurrency. Um, or when they think about cryptocurrency, they immediately think of blockchain. And, and, and I want to be clear, these are two completely different things. I mean, the term blockchain arose out of bit, the way digital ledger technology, distributed ledger technology that uh, arisen out of uh, creation of Bitcoin. But you don't need to have cryptocurrency be issued on blockchain. There's absolutely no necessity for that. Uh, you could have that. And, and then you have to think about blockchain technology as one that's completely decentralized and the one that is actually centralized. And there's a huge debate between lawyers. Uh, come on, <laughs> how many lawyers will it take to have a debate? <laughs> you really just need two to, to start butting their heads. Uh, maybe but, one. <laughs> maybe one, right? <laughs> but uh, look, there's obviously blockchain itself is just a way to record data. Right. And, and then there's a question and essentially create these blocks that, you know, think of it like a, I look at it as like a Christmas tree. Right. You have a star at the top. That's your you know Genesis block. And then you got all your branches and then it goes down, you know, to the small parts of a Christmas tree. Uh, it all essentially gets recorded up the chain and you could trace it. And then there's a question of whether or not uh, somebody actually has authority control over that blockchain. If they do, it's a centralized blockchain application or if they don't, uh, then then. You know, it's decentralized. That's really what the Bitcoin, uh, how Bitcoin is operating today. But you don't need to have a cryptocurrency be developed on blockchain technology. And blockchain technology doesn't, you know, is not always the best technology out there. It's 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 also been overhyped, in my opinion, over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, just like what we've seen in the late 90s with the e-commerce business, uh, where you know there were e-commerce businesses that had no revenue and went public and essentially went bust a few years later, merely because your company decides to do a press release that they use blockchain technology to store files, doesn't necessarily mean that's the best technology for you. And it's you know you have to think really hard uh, whether it really is the right application for you and whether you actually have the right people to support that application. Right. Uh, I mean, not that many developers know how to actually code and maintain blockchain technology. So two different things from, you know, they're not synonymous necessarily with each other. All right, now hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about black blockchain. Okay, everybody, break number two. While I finally try to figure out how to program a VCR, seriously, it's been like 30 years, listen to these words from our sponsors. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolv, leave off the e.com. Remember, that's timesolv.com. Your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you build lasting relationships with new or existing clients while juggling your caseload? Try Abby Connect, the friendly, highly trained, and motivated live receptionists who are well-known for providing consistent quality customer service and support to law firms just like yours. Every connection matters. So call Abby Connect today at 833-ABBY-WOW to get started with your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. All right, thanks for sticking around. 
We're still talking with Felix Shipkevich of Shipkevich PLLC and Hotspot Law, who's been educating us on cryptocurrency. So let's find out more. Uh, so before the break, uh, Felix, you told us about blockchain and what it is and means. Is Libra on blockchain? And if not, does that matter? There's no actual blockchain data structure for Libra. And I, you know, the short answer is no. I mean, not to the best of my knowledge that blockchain technology mm-hmm. would necessarily be used to store data for the Libra coin. But um, again, be mindful that uh, Libra and all the, the crazy news that we hear on a daily basis uh, about <laughs> Libra, we, we still don't have a lot of, you know, that fine detail of how Libra would in fact uh, function, settle the risk and, right. and technology associated with it. I mean, it's so high level at this point that, look, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, many people are asking whether or not uh, Libra should be on blockchain and should the data be stored on it. And, and uh, right now, to the best of my knowledge, it's not, but I might stand corrected. And we'll see when the podcast comes out. Maybe there will be new information at that point. So tell me why we've talked about the Facebook issue, right? Like, how viable is it? How appropriate is it to have like a massive social media conglomerate like Facebook backing a cryptocurrency like Libra? Are there other reasons to have misgivings about Libra as a cryptocurrency outside of the Facebook issue? To answer that question, we need to ask ourselves if we allow for a social media platform, and let's be honest, Facebook is a social media platform. I understand they obviously have other affiliates and subsidiaries that, you know, they have Facebook payments, for instance. Obviously, it's a regular, you know, they have licenses yeah. to the best of my knowledge in all 50 states. Uh, you know, what would stop someone like Amazon or Google to, to do this, right? And to what point will we begin to ask ourselves is, you know, do we trust private companies or do we trust our government for the purposes of managing our money, right? Because, look, uh, cryptocurrencies mediums of exchange, their money, they're worth something. If it's not worth anything, then you shouldn't be buying that cryptocurrency. Um, so I assume the Libra being a stable coin and, you know, being, um, you know, formed by, uh, backed by Facebook, obviously the catalyst behind this entire process um, has some credibility because it's a, you know, it's, to the best of my knowledge, it's a well-capitalized company, it's a public company. But ultimately, um, I think that this, these type of products need to, be really explored further by the banks. I, I think the banks, and we've seen JP Morgan coin announcement earlier this year, Wells Fargo in recent weeks. I think this is what the consumers need. I think that's what lawyers need, right? I, I you know, I get asked a lot of questions. Well, you, you, you work uh, with crypto exchanges, with crypto brokers and, you know, the technology companies, but how come you don't take Bitcoin? Two reasons. One, I don't have the time to think about where Bitcoin is trading today, right? Today it could be trading at 8,000, tomorrow it could be trading at 3,000. So I, I can't worry about my services being completely deflated by 50%. It's just, uh, I don't have the time for it. Uh, the second reason is, well, we have, um, you know, fantastic crypto exchanges like Coinbase, for instance, which have done a pretty good job in, in mass marketing their services to the consumers. It's also not really linked with my firm's checking account. If I was able to accept crypto and not worry about its fluctuation, if it was a stable coin um, and my bank, where I do business with TD Bank, I could easily just uh, move money in and out of accounts and this digital wallet if that one was given to me and that wallet was secure and hopefully would have some kind of protection. 
by by the regulatory framework. Yeah, I probably would take crypto, but at this point, it's just way too risky. And I think a lot of lawyers are also in the same boat with me, where it's just like, ah, you know, do I want to worry where Bitcoin is tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I understand the the argument against the Facebook backed cryptocurrency, like it's a Pandora's box. If Facebook can do it, any other global smashing company can do it. Are there arguments that Libra is a good thing? Like I could also see the converse of that argument, which is that it's the best way to promote cryptocurrency to the masses, right? Because how many regular people, quote unquote, are going to see Wells Fargo doing something like this, whereas Facebook has just a ton of users? Well, they have about two, two and a half billion subscribers, yeah. right? So, I mean, right off the bat, if they had uh, 250 million subscribers buying Libra, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that essentially would... Yeah, you're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, you essentially become the world's largest uh, financial services company overnight. Wow, now you're but, scaring uh, everyone. But I guess the question <laughs> is, is that good or bad? Like, I could see you spinning it as good. Like, can you make the argument this is a good thing? I think there's definitely a lot of good thing. I think that going back to the question... Um, that, that you asked earlier about the underbank. I think that providing easier, faster, and cheaper way to make payments from a person to, for between peer-to-peer -peer or you know, paying your vendors has not been uh, solved yet. And I think that's what you know, Libra type of product uh, is, is looking to do. So only in the past 10 years have we started make, you know, paying our invoices you know, using a bank. But... Um, uh, you, you know, log into your platform and then you select your vendor with the electric bill. But, but even like if you think about this, like paying your landlord or paying, uh, I don't know, your car dealership, your payment, car payments, every month you've got to write out a check or you, you could obviously put it on auto debit um, or throw in a, you know, use ACH. But, but it's just, it's kind of a pain in the butt. There should be easier and faster ways and cheaper ways because the cost of doing business and payments is not it's pretty high. It's not cheap. So the biggest benefit of that is that now you're giving people who are underbanked, who are not comfortable holding their money in cash to hold it within, you know, what we assume, presume would be a, um, a safe environment. Democratizing payments, dare I say? <laughs> Probably. Right. That's a good way to say it. I just came up with that off the top of my head. And on that note, I think we're going to end this puppy. Felix, you did it. You made it through the podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And so, as I just referenced, we've reached the end of yet another episode of the fantastic, dare I say, Legal Toolkit podcast. This was a podcast about cryptocurrency and law firms, and we've been talking with Felix Shipkevich of Shipkevich PLLC and Hotspot Law. Now, I'll be back on further shows, future shows, with more insights into my soul, the soul of America and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic from my dulcet tones, however, you can check us out anytime you want. That is our entire show archive at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Felix Shipkevich of Shipkevich PLLC and Hotspot Law for making an appearance as my guest today. All right, Felix, can you tell everybody how they can find out more about you and about Shipkevich PLLC as well as Hotspot Law? Absolutely. My firm's website is shipkevich.com, S-H-I-P-K-E-V-I-C-H. I know I don't have the easiest last name, but if you caught that. Join, join the club, yeah. my friend. And Hotspot Law. That's pretty simple. Hotspotlaw.com. Thanks, Felix. So check him out at his law firm website and at the Hotspot Law 
website. So thanks again to Felix Shipkevich of Shipkevich, PLLC, and Hotspot Law. Finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where it takes at least seven licks to get to the center of our Tootsie Pop. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.